Good morning. I think we can do better than that, can't we? Good morning. Good morning. That's better. We are glad you are here today. We are glad to have this opportunity God's given us to worship him together. Would you stand with the praise team as we sing Jesus Messiah?
Father, we don't know why you would love us so much that you would send your own son to die on a cross for us, Lord, but we magnify you today because you did. You loved us so much, and your wounds, by your stripes, we are healed, as Isaiah tells us. Lord, we praise you because you are the God of salvation. You have chosen to redeem us as your children, and we thank you. Lord, may our worship be acceptable in your sight this morning. May you be with the rest of our service as we turn to your word. May you open our eyes of understanding in Christ's name. Amen. You may be seated. I'll ask the ushers to come forward as we prepare to collect the offering. I want to read a, a few verses to you from John chapter 17, verse 15. This is Jesus speaking to his disciples right before he's going to be arrested and crucified. He says in verse 15, I do not pray that you should take them out of the world. He's praying to his father, but that you should keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I also have sent them into the world. And for their sakes, I sanctify myself, that they also may be sanctified by the truth. In our Awana program, we study to show ourselves approved unto God, workmen who need not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Our Awana kids uh, participated in the Sparks Ram and Awana Games competition. They did a magnificent job. Both teams finished in second place, but more importantly, they glorified God with their attitude, with their heart. They had a great spirit. It was a lot of fun. We 
uh, just had a blast. But ultimately, as we teach them every year, our job is to glorify God. Our job isn't to win first place. Our job is to glorify God. And we as a church are here to glorify God. We're here to be sanctified by the word of truth and to be light and salt out in the world. Our Awana missionary, Mike Reed, is here today. He took over for Steve Shank. Steve Shank retired. Uh, we're, we're happy to have Mike. He's going to be preaching this morning. I know Pastor will probably have a few things to say as well. But Mike is also going to be conducting uh, a training seminar right after the service. It's for anybody involved in our Bible Quest ministries. If you minister to boys and girls in any capacity here at church, you should be here for it. We'll have lunch provided. Uh, it'll be a great time to be sanctified by the word and to be encouraged how we can form relationships with boys and girls and influence them for Jesus Christ. With that, let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this opportunity to give unto you, Lord. As we uh, give to Cross Point Baptist Church, I pray that Cross Point Baptist Church will preach and teach your word faithfully to the lost and dying world, to the saints as well. Help us to glorify you. We'll thank you for it all in Jesus' name. Amen. As we take this time uh, and you've formally give you a welcome to Cross Point Baptist Church, members, guests alike, and those on Facebook. We uh, do this almost every week. Um, I would like to say, I was looking on, on who's chimed in this morning. Um, we have, uh, Joyce Prophet, is, uh, she, she heard about us originally through Grief Share, and she uh, barely became a member, and she had some ailments happen where she can't get around, she, can't, she just can't be here. But she's been faith, so faithful on Facebook. Can we turn, give a wave to the camera and what, say hello and welcome to Joyce Prophet back there um, on our Facebook uh, live that we, Brad was actually kicking the machine this morning to make sure it was ready to go. But uh, I did want to take a moment before I introduce Mike Reed um, and talk about Awana and Awana Games. So I wasn't able to be at Awana Games yesterday. I was at a retreat at Kentucky Mountain Missions. Um, but I did get a phone call from Aaron on the way back. I was on Mountain Parkway, and he called to give me the uh, 2, 3, 4 o'clock and get, kind of give me the rundown of the Awana games. Now, um, it's, it's, it's always humbling when you see your children taking, step in these roles and you have that proud parent moment, right? Uh, but he was saying, Dad, here, we, we got a couple problems. These kids, we got to toughen them up, man. We got to, they got to work out a little bit more. We got to do, they got to pull some ropes, man. We got, we got to get working out. I said, son, uh, and, but we did take second. We took second. And I kept emphasizing, you know, Commander Brad is really good at reminding all the boys and girls and living it out that you do your best and let the results be up to God. You got to be good with the results. He goes, yeah, yeah, I get that. But we almost won first. So he couldn't quite pull the trigger on, on the, the, that aspect of it. But uh, Awana Games is uh, one of the areas of ministry uh, of what Awana is. Uh, most of you, everybody in here probably knows it, but there may be some in here that may not even realize it, that on Wednesday nights, these chairs are up, and you're, you're on, you're literally on an Awana Circle, square, and all the lines right here. We pulled the color out of the carpets. And um, if you're familiar to it, most people will come in, if they had grew up in Awana, uh, they'll go, 
sweet. I, I get it. Other people are like, what's these hieroglyphics going on? I don't know what you're doing here. Crop dusting. I don't know what it is. But, uh, but the, uh, the, uh, the emphasis here is on Awana. Why do we do Awana? Why do we have it? Because of taking that word of God, sometimes in a one-on-one manner, sometimes in a teaching setting, to, to get this word of God into boys' and girls' lives. It's transforming. Who went through or who's ever been through an Awana as a up, up to the fifth grade, sixth grade here? You've been through it. Raise your hand. All right, a handful, right? handful in here has been through Awana. Who's ever, who is or has ever taught or been a leader in Awana? Raise your hand. Bunch of hands go up again, right? Well, today, uh, Brad alluded to it. Um, I'm going to uh, take just a moment to explain how we got there. Today, we're going to have a training session, not just for Awana leaders. It's also for if you're in children's ministry or if you just want free information on how to do ministry. What's it look like? It's a, it's a moving target on one hand, but it's a, it's a faithful, absolute truth on the other hand. And today, after service, we'll get these chairs put up and, and, and tables down. Uh, uh, Mike Reed is... Uh, uh, Agreed to give us, teach us, do a training session, table talk. It's the ability to learn. Now, I don't want to say more than that because, well, I don't know a whole lot more than that. But also, I want him to share, if he would, just a little when, you, when you're up here, just a little bit about it. But um, it, we need to always be ready and be equipped. And you may think, oh, a training. Sometimes we have to get our hearts trained to listen and to be in tune. And that's uh, another aspect of why... We're having that today right after service. And uh, I heard, even heard Mike Reed say, and even if they just want to come eat, they can come. That's my food he's giving away. I had to, had to tease him about that. You're giving my food, you're pretty generous with my food. But uh, Steve Shank's been our missionary for many, many years. He retired. Um, and uh, what, a couple years ago, I think, uh, Mike Reed became missionary uh, for that region or area. And um, we now have transferred our support from Steve Shank to Mike Reed. <clears throat> and uh, I talked with him on the phone about, I think you were here on one Wednesday night, and I got the staff together. I said, yeah, he's us. It's going to be all right. Now, you know what that means. He's us. He's down to earth, and yet we're here. We just want to get this in people's lives. And I want him today. He drove down this morning from Columbus. Um, I want him to feel welcome and relaxed kind of, and just be ready to listen, be ready to be encouraged, be ready to be involved in how we can take this word of God with a smile and put it in people's lives. Can we give Mike Reed a cross point welcome this morning? Mike Reed, if you would. Well, good morning. It's good to be here today, and you have made me welcome, very much so. So I appreciate that, and um, I am excited about being able to share a little bit with you today, and then about the training we're going to do uh, <clears throat> in the afternoon. And 
I think a big attractor to that, frankly, um, is going to be uh, Scott. I think he smoked us some uh, pork sirloin, I think is what. Uh, was not it. Okay, all right. Well, I still think it's going to be good. So, but no, th this afternoon, uh, yeah, we're going to be, um, we're going to be, talking, really asking the question, what is it the local church does that leads to lasting faith in children? And we're just kind of going to break that down and, and look at it. So if you, if you work with kids or teens, uh, it doesn't matter in whatever capacity. I mean, if you're a, a parent or a grandparent, a lot of, the, we're not going to be doing Awana clubs training, okay? <clears throat> um, uh, this, we're going to be talking about child discipleship and what that looks like in the culture, specifically in the, in the context of the culture in which we find ourselves. So I think anybody uh, you know, that's connected with kids um, in any way could benefit. So hopefully we'll see a lot of you there. Maybe we'll see all of you there, and then they'll have to go out and get more food. I don't know, or they can eat mine. So, <laughs> yeah. So just by way of introduction, uh, there's a picture of my wife, Chris and I. She sends her greetings. She's been fighting a cough for about a month now. Pray for Chris, like a really bad cough. We got her on antibiotics this week, um, but she sends her greetings. Uh, we have actually been Awana missionaries for 20 years. We served on Steve and Pam Shank's ministry team. And, um, and so it's kind of, their, kind of their fault, really, we're doing what we're doing now. But we've been doing it 20 years. Uh, we left Ohio in 04, went to Kansas for seven and a half years, uh, then went to Kentucky for five, and we've been able to circle back around uh, to the central Ohio area. So our, our current uh, territory is central southern Ohio and all of Kentucky. So, uh, yeah, uh, so it's big uh, and probably too big. Uh, we are looking for more missionaries, so, more, so pray for more missionaries uh, that will come uh, and serve in this amazing ministry. Uh, we want to thank you for your faithful support uh, of Awana through our ministry. Without that, we could not do what we do, which is primarily uh, help churches in their mission to reach and disciple children for Christ. So we want to reach kids everywhere. And so what you do helps us so much, not only supporting existing partner churches, but also going out and um, uh, having uh, engagements and conversations with other churches about child discipleship, which may lead to deeper partnership with Awana. Uh, so pray for that too, and just pray for us uh, in that role. So um, again, it's so, we're so grateful. Uh, for that. Um, Chuck's going to be keeping an eye on me for time, right? Uh, he's going to do this if I go long. That did happen in Kansas one time. Uh, I, was, uh, uh, I was given a message, and all of a sudden, one of the deacons, I was probably seven and a half minutes into this message, and one of the deacons just came up right here in the front row, and he looked a little pensive, and all of a sudden, he just started going, I thought, what in the world did I say? I really bombed it. I'm using the wrong Bible version. I don't know what I did. But it turned out we had a tornado warning going on. And so they just shut everything down, everything, everybody to the basement. And that was the end. That was the end of my message. Uh, 
You know, they never invited me back either. I don't know. Maybe there wasn't. A, I should have checked. Is, was there really a tornado? So anyway, Chuck's going to help me out there. But uh, anyway, it's so good to um, be able to share with you today. So this morning, we're going to look at primarily, we're going to be in the Old Testament today, okay? We're going to be looking at King Josiah, uh, who took the reign of Judah, and Franklin, in a period of deep cultural and spiritual decline. You know, and that was, that was about 600 B.C. in Judea. Much like what was happening in Judea, we too are experiencing a period of spiritual and uh, cultural decline. Dominant culture continues to rapidly move towards secularism, hyper-individualism, maybe you've heard that term, or the rejection, or even hostility of God, or at least those of us who hold to the exclusivity of faith in Jesus um, and the true claims of the Bible. So there are parallels. There's always parallels. And so we're going to look at one uh, today. And so with that, let me, let me pray and we'll, we'll jump into this together, okay? Father, we uh, thank you, Lord, for our time today. We thank you for the freedoms we have. Uh, to come and worship you openly. God, we thank you for the gospel. We thank you for the amazing gift of your, your son, Jesus, and what he did for us on the cross. And Lord, um, that we can, have, we can have relationship with you, uh, Lord, and that gives us such amazing hope. God, just be with us today as we look at your word, we look at Josiah and his legacy. May it be a challenge to us and I, in our lives, and I pray this in Jesus' name. So we see from Scripture that God is sovereign. He is going to triumph in the end, and those who call on His name will prevail as well. You know, and, and in the course of history, believers have always been exiles. Believers have always been called to be separate or distinct. And we even think of the Israelites being separate and distinct. But we are called to be salt and light in a world of darkness and those without hope in Jesus. And so we think about that and we think about our roles as parents and grandparents and Sunday school teachers and and uh, Awana leaders, we think about the church, and we can ask ourselves, how are we doing? Uh, how are we doing in the area of producing disciples who are resilient? And uh, there was a recent study by the Barna Group that found that 11% of children who grow up in the church will come out of this generation as resilient disciples, 11%. Uh, now, they would dis define resilient disciples as uh, these are folks who are involved, not just to go to church, but they're, they're involved uh, in the church. They just don't attend services. They trust in the authority of the Bible. They're committed to Jesus personally, and they affirm his death, burial, and resurre resurrection, conquering sin and death. Now, Juana agrees with that. We would say, too, it's just a person who loves Jesus for the rest of their life. 
They have lasting faith. So think about that, and we'll talk about this afternoon too. Resilient disciples. Disciples who are resilient. So 11%, what does this tell us about uh, the church, parents, grandparents, Awana leaders, Sunday school leaders? I think it means we need radical discipleship. Remember, 89% of church kids leave without being resilient disciples. Now, it doesn't mean we go back to the nostalgic past uh, and um, try to find you know, those answers and what we've done in the past, while there can be some good things we've done in the past. But we need to intentionally seek the future. Someone said this, it's not a matter of our, our, uh, are our children being discipled, but rather who or what is discipling our children. And in 2023 and beyond, a world that now includes headlines like Splinter net. Don't ask me afterwards what the splinter net is. Because I don't know. Maybe some of you techie folks know what that is. Transhumanism. Chat GPT. uh, Transgenderism. It's more clear now than ever that cultural formation, listen to this, cultural formation is a force to be reckoned with when it comes to our children. This, this, the secularism uh, of our culture, uh, it's like crashing waves against our kids, constantly crashing against them, isn't it? We feel that. We feel that. Will they lead? Uh, well, let me back up. Are, so in, in that sense, are we adequately, adequately preparing them for what lies ahead? Will they, when they launch... Will they bend but not break under the weight of this culture that they find themselves? And that's, that's really what we want to ask. That's what we want to ask ourselves. And, and that really brings us to the legacy of Josiah. So as we, as we think about these things, let's move to the Old Testament and let's look at the legacy of Josiah and the examples, frankly, of a young man and some of his buddies. Uh, And, you know, we're so fortunate to have Scripture to provide us of examples that we can apply today. And we're going to look, while we think of Josiah, we're going to, in that context, we're going to look at this young man named Daniel and his three buddies, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And, uh, you know, yeah, this is ancient history, but we can learn so much because it's God's Word. And uh, the, heart, the human heart is the same <laughs> as it was uh, two, 600 B.C. as it is today. Um, so most are familiar with Daniel. Here's some quick facts. In the year 605 B.C., Daniel and other young men, they were part of the first exile to Babylon. Okay, So they were carted off. Uh, this was a result of the Lord's judgment. Um, the Babylonians, now they took the very best of the young men and they took them for training in the king's court. And they didn't, they didn't take these young men these, to, to have these Jews just work. It was much more than that. They wanted them to be fully Babylonian. 
in everything. You know, and we think about even in our world today, uh, you know, indoctrination, if you will, and our enemy just actively, actively pulling us towards the world. Well, that, think about Daniel and his buddies in this pagan culture. Okay. So what were some of the challenges? Well, we'll just go through quickly here. You don't have to go there, but Daniel 1 not, really shows us four big things that, they were, that they, there were challenges. One, they had a new home. They were ripped away from everything they knew, from Jerusalem, from the temple, from loving, caring adults, parents. So they had a new home. Secondly, they had new knowledge. They were taught the language and the literature of Babylon for at least three years. Third, they had new diets. They were expected to eat the king's diet, which actually was uh, blasphemy for them to do that, at least some of his food. And then they, had, they were given new names. Their Hebrew names were, were ripped away from them, and they were given Babylonian names after Babylonian gods, all in an effort to forget their God. Okay? So here we have Daniel... His buddies, that's, that's the environment. Matt, uh, Mark Matlock, in his book, Faith for Exiles, shares this. The most, most of what we know about Daniel and the three supporting actors in his story arises from their resilience in the face of pressure to conform. He goes on to tell us that as modern readers, we underestimate the indoctrinating power the Babylonians wielded. It was intense indoctrination. Intense. So we think about so we think about Daniel, you know, up, going up through Sunday school and what we know of him. You know, there's big three, big three things really uh, come out. First, that immediate thing that they get hit with with eating the king's food, right? Uh, the second thing is Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They have a destinies, and they are their destinies is what? What are they called? What are they told they have to do? Where do they go? The oven, the fiery furnace, right? And then finally, uh, when Daniel was in his 80s, the lion's den. So those are the things we think about, and we think about, you know, a lot about the story of Daniel and some of the, the, the persecutions and challenges. But we can easily miss two striking passages. Two striking passages. The one is Daniel 3, verses 17 and 18. And it says this, if we are thrown, now this is Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego talking to the king. If we are thrown in the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to save us from it. And he will rescue us from your hand, O king. But even if he does not, we want you to know, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of, of gold. Um, six words stick out in that verse. But even if he does not, they stood for God. When the pressure was great to conform, they defied. They were resilient. Whether it resulted in their deliverance or resulted in their death, they accepted God's greater plan. Even if he doesn't, we're good. It's amazing. And then the second passage can be easily missed, and that's Daniel 9, Daniel 9, 21. 
And it says this, while, and this is Daniel, while I was still in prayer, Gabriel, the man I had seen in the earlier vision, came to me in swift flight about the time of the evening sacrifice. Easy to admit, the, the last few words there. In the time of the evening sacrifice. Okay, this is 70 years in exile, no temple, no sacrifices. In Daniel's heart, it was so formed 70 years later that he still kept his rhythms of worship. Do you see that? Amazing. So teenagers taken into exile, their culture erased, replaced, indoctrinated, faithful while surrounded by a pagan worldview. And as far as we can see, they did not waver. They didn't waver. Amazing. So the question for us is, that we have to ask is, what happened to prepare these kids? What took place in their lives so they would be able to stand up to what they were dealing with in Babylon? And that's where we go to Josiah. We're going to look at King Josiah. That was the environment that they were formed in. These four who we find in Babylon were exiles that grew up in a time of revival under the reign of King Josiah. So if you have your Bibles... You can open here. We're going to be in 2 Chronicles. Okay, the rest of our time, mostly, we're going to be in 2 Second uh, Chronicles uh, 34. 2 Chronicles 34. That's where we'll spend most of our time uh, today, the rest of our time together here. So let's look at, let's do a summary of King Josiah. We don't have time to dig into King Josiah, but let me give you a summary King Josiah. He began his reign at eight years old, a little younger than my oldest grandson. He follows the reigns of two wicked kings. Happened to be his father and his grandfather. Okay. He was the last good king of Judah. In fact, they were in, in, in the infection of their rebellion and sin was deep in Judah. Their culture was in great decline. They fully embraced pagan gods and rituals and on the threshold of promised judgment. There was judgment coming. It had already been proclaimed. It was going to happen. And then comes Josiah. Here comes Josiah. Rediscovers the law of God, rebuilds the temples, tears down images, purges Judah of its worship of false gods, calls all the people for a time of national repentance. Imagine a culture in such decline. They had lost the book of Moses. They, in our day, they had lost the Bible. They had lost it. The law. Uh, the fact that it could have been lost for years and years and years and decades is almost inconceivable. Cultural and spiritual decline. But yet, it kind of rings a little bit with our culture, doesn't it? And what we're seeing taking place in our greater culture, Okay. Uh, that one slide you were showing there, uh, Jack, that uh, quote, just if you probably read it already, but read that again. Just let that sink in for a minute. That's Darren uh, Whitehead, Pastor Darren Whitehead. 
said that at uh, one of our, I think one of our Awana Child Discipleship Conferences. We begin with the assumption that our children are being overexposed, overly exposed to worldly discipleship and underexposed to biblical discipleship. And we can include our Christian church kids in that. Okay. Uh, all you need is one of these, frankly, <laughs> or a friend who has one, uh, or what you hear at school, uh, or whatever. So this is the rea- you know, This is the reality. This is the reality. Those kids that God's bringing to you every week, whether you're in Sunday school or youth group or wanna. And so the outline of the message, so we're going to move into Josiah a little bit here, that really comes from a, a message that Pastor John Tyson gave uh, a few years ago at one of our child discipleship conferences. I loved it. And uh, so I want to share it with you. And he, he talks about five distinct things, five distinct things that Josiah did to bring repentance, to bring revival to a culture that was in deep decline. And uh, this carried through to Daniel and his friends. Okay, Daniel, okay, here's what was going on with Josiah. So let's go to the first one there. Jack, if you could throw the first one up there. There you go. The radical pursuit of God. Okay, remember we're in Chronicles, 2 Chronicles 34. Let's look at verses 1 and 2, and I'll read those. Josiah was eight years old when he began to reign. And he reigned 31 years in Jerusalem. And he did what was right in the eyes of the Lord and walked in the ways of David his father. And he did not turn aside to the right hand or to the left. Josiah sought God in his truth. You know, and it shows the influence a person can have at a very young age. Even children have a normal, a, a, an enormous potential to live for God. In fact, sometimes or oftentimes, they can, they can almost um, shine light on our own lukewarmness. How faithful our kids can be in our teens. He obviously had spiritual influence. Josiah had to have spiritual influencers. It wasn't his dad <laughs> or his grandpa, but maybe the high priest Hilkiah and other loving, caring adults around him. In a 2022 Barna study funded by Iwana called Children's Ministry in a New Reality, Barna says this when it comes to the role of loving, caring adults in the life of a child. Now listen to this. I think this is really good. Or youth. Strong. So as they did a study and they looked at churches, okay, they had this statement. Strong Networks of older and younger Christians in a community called the local church that doesn't just happen by accident. Barna goes on to say, we see the success of churches and children's ministries that strived to take kids seriously and create environments and services that nurtured young faith and welcomed wisdom of mature Christian adults. So what they're, what they're talking about is community. Okay, the local church is a community, and we all play a part. And they talk about networking. Um, 
around that emphasis of making disciples, being disciples ourselves first, discipled, and then discipling those who will be disciple makers someday. But we are the disciple makers. We need to be people who radically pursue God first and then instill it in our children. And it takes all of us. Okay, okay so radical pursuit of God, one. Let's go to two. Let's look at number two. Total annihilation of strongholds. Total annihilation of strongholds. Verses three through seven. For in the eighth year of his reign, while he was yet a boy, 16 years old, he began to seek the God of David, his spiritual father. And in the twelfth year of his reign, he was about 20. That's about the point when he began to lead the administration of his government. He began to purge Judah and Jerusalem of the high places, the ashram and the carved and the metal images. There was references to making them powder. Uh, I've done some uh, um, trap shooting in my life. And uh, we always talk about when we hit, when we hit a clay pitching straight on, we always use it. We powdered that thing because it turns into powder if you've ever done that. Um, he had zeal. Josiah had zeal, not only in Judea, but he went up into the northern kingdom in Israel as well. So wherever he had influence, he was tearing down stuff, idols, pagan worship, turning it, stomping it into the ground, making it powder. He was not messing around. Pastor Tyson shared with us this thought. What one generation tolerates is what the next generation celebrates. What one generation tolerates is what the next generation celebrates. So as adult disciple makers of our kids, our grandkids, Sunday school, youth, Awana, what sin or habit have we fallen into that hinders our testimony to be disciple makers? What are we tolerating or struggling with in our own lives that God is commanding us to kill? What idols are there in our lives that we need to repent and we just need to tear them down. Stomp them to dust. What strongholds do we need to annihilate? And guys, I'm asking me the same questions, okay? What's there? Because it's so easy to make idols in our lives and then it impacts our, our own lives, our families, and our church. Total annihilation of strongholds. Okay, that's number two. Let's keep things moving here. Chuck's going to get on me here. Okay, so let's keep going. Repairing and restoring ruins. Repairing and restoring ruins. Verse 8. Now in the 18th year of his reign, Josiah is now 26 years old. When he had cleansed the land and the house, he sent Shaphan, the son of Azalea, and... Messiah, the governor of the city, and Joah, the son of Joaz, Joaz, the recorder, to repair the house of the Lord his God. In our Western culture, the presence or function of a family altar is completely normal in Christian homes in previous 
generations when, when revival is taking place. When Pastor Tyson mentioned this word, uh, family altar, I had never heard that term before. But it's part of our history in Western culture. I'd never heard of it. So what, okay, so what is a family altar? It refers to the custom of having devotions and talking about Jesus in our home. That's a family altar, okay? Now, for many Christian families, spiritual growth is tied to the church alone. Uh, but that's not biblical, is it? The daily family altar is very important. It's a time when the family can meet, worship God, study His Word, read the Bible, discuss it, memorize Scripture, pray together. Family altar. One pastor referred to it as Godward rhythms. Godward rhythms in a home. So, how are our parents doing today? Many parents are doing an amazing job with their kids. Right in this room, parents are doing an amazing job with their kids. But there's some observations, there's some studies, or even cultural observations of parents, even Christian parents in our culture. Here's some things. This was a, this was a study, I think it was a secular study. Parents today have a greater desire to invest in their children. This is today. As a result, they tend to want to spend a lot of time with their children and are likely to be child-centric, much more so than parents in the 60s. Now, that kind of blew me away a little bit. Really? Because, uh, yeah. But two things, one, two words were child-centric, and then I got, okay, what are we, we want to be more involved in our kids today. What do we be involved in mostly in our, with our kids today? Sports, activities. Not so much spiritual things. You know, I, I guess I remember in the 60s when I would go to Little League practice and even a game, I don't remember my parents, frankly, being there. I had good mom and dad. I don't remember them being there. Maybe they were. I'm sure they showed up. I just jumped on my bike and went. Now it's like, you know, it's full-blown, man, uh, even at practice. You know, because I, I got thinking about that. Um, and I'm not putting down sports. I like sports. But where is spiritual discipleship in all that, right? Uh, okay, here's something. 67% of parents of preteens claim to be Christian, but only 4% of those parents have views consistent with the Bible. Barna found that out in a study. 50% of Christian parents believe the church should be the primary influencer of child discipleship. And guess what churches think? What percent churches think the parents should be? 90%. So half of Christian parents think the church should be the primary disciple maker. And then the church is saying, 90% of the church is saying, no, the parents should be. And so what we call that is a stalemate. <laughs> That's a stalemate going on between uh, the two. So we need moms and dads, grandmas and grandpas, involved in the spiritual training of their kids. Let's build the family older. You know, I re okay, so full disclosure, I do not and have not demonstrated this perfectly. I was one of those dads for many years that, hey, they're going to church. They're going to Awana. We pray at meals. Uh, and then when my 
oldest daughter got to be about 12, 11 or 12, 13. And this was my evangelist on the playground at six. She started to make some really bad decisions. Um, and I just felt like I was beginning to lose her. I can't describe it any other way. I just felt like I was, like I was losing Emily, okay? And I, and I just kind of came to a moment and said, I need to do more with my kids. And I'm not, and so I just started doing something. We just, around the breakfast table, we just started talking about God. And I'd come up with a little devotion or find something, we just talk about God. Some mornings it was a total train wreck, and we didn't get anything done. And it was giggles and laughs, and okay, you know, let's pray. And, but we had some really good stuff there, and I just, uh, I think it made a difference in my kids. Did I know what I was doing? No. I had great people that helped me, and I could look to, but um, that was our family, that was my family altar, if you will. But Awana can help too. Hey, those Awana handbooks coming home every week, what a great family discipleship tool. And at childdiscipleship.com, uh, we have free resources out there. We even have something called the, the family um, Friday family email you can sign up for. Every Friday, you get something for a whole week to disciple your kids. Just go to childdiscipleship.com. Okay. Circle of loving, caring adults can make a difference. All right, I need to keep going here. Let's go to the next one. Wholehearted obedience to God's word. Verses 19 and 21. And when, the, and when the king heard the words of the law, he tore his clothes. Go, inquire of the Lord for me and for those who are left in Israel and Judah. Concerning the words of the book that had been found, for, wrath, for great is the wrath of the Lord that is poured out on us, because our fathers have not kept the word of the Lord to do according to all that was written in this book. So what apparently was a routine bookkeeping task by the high priest, through that, he found this copy of God's law, of the Bible. And he blew the dust off, and he takes it back to King Josiah. And by the time he became king... The scriptures had long been neglected, and Josiah's heart was just smitten. In his response, Josiah had scripture read to the people and made a commitment to live by it. So we are commanded, first as parents and then the local church, to display in our own lives a devotion to God, teaching the commands found in God's word. To our children, engaging God's word, getting them ready Establishing biblical literacy, both in ourselves and our kids. Okay, let's go to number five. What's our last one here? The restoration of redemptive practices. The restoration of redemptive practices. So we're going to switch over. I'm going to turn on you a little bit. We're going to go to 2 Kings 23. Uh, uh, I'm going to read it if you don't want to go there. Verses 21 and 22, 2 Kings. As the king, which is, <clears throat> and the king, which is Josiah, commanded all the people, 
Keep the Passover to the Lord your God, as it is written in this book of the covenant, for no such Passover has been kept since the days of the judges who judged Israel, or during all the days of the kings of Israel or of the kings of Judah. Josiah restored, restored the observance of the Passover. So what redemptive practices are missing in our homes today? What do we need to establish or reestablish to set our children and our grandchildren to be resilient disciples? Loving Jesus, so when we point to the year 2050, that's a little over 25 years from now, those kids in Awana or Sunday school, they're going to be adults. Many will be married, having children, influencing culture, maybe the leaders in their churches. What can we do today to ensure when we point out to 2050, the church is in good hands because we have kids who love Jesus. And they are then making disciples themselves. So as we conclude today, the fruit of Josiah's reign and the revival he led in Israel was what we see in the generation that followed. So let's go back to Daniel and his buddies. Okay, we see what was happening with Josiah. That's what Daniel's buddies were being raised in, okay? That's a legacy. That speaks to a legacy of Josiah because of his faithfulness, his courage, his resolve. How do we ultimately know that, our, our, that we are generating good fruit in the lives of this generation? Oh, and by the way, the kids in the nursery, they're called alphas. You didn't know that. They're called alphas. By looking at how God is showing himself through their words, their thoughts, and their actions. And sometimes this is a long game, isn't it? It's like, okay, what do they do when they launch out? Are they living for Jesus when no one is there telling them what to do? You know, I've got four kids. Or, you know, I, I look at them now. That's the true test of when they're out from underneath us. So for us, we just need to be faithful. We need to be faithful. To the teens in this room, guys, you have grown up in a postmodern, post-Christian culture for the most part. Much of what you know is normalized. So I fear it's easy for you to get caught up in the traps of what the world expresses as normal, as right, as good. Whether it's social media or apps like TikTok or what you hear at school. Guys, test all things against Scripture. Do not conform to the things of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You're about Daniel's age when he was in exile. You can be resilient. You can be a faithful exile in this world. Let Daniel be your example. Embrace Daniel. What a great example for you. Adults, parents, grandparents, Sunday school workers, Awana workers. If there are any high places in our lives, we need to tear them down. May we have Josiah's level of repentance in our own hearts first and then show our kids and grandkids the way to follow. We can be relational advocates for Christ, cultural translators of what the world is messaging to our kids 
and what the truth is from the Bible. We can translate, cultural translators, hey, I know you're hearing that, but this is what God's Word says. Josiah's example should give us hope, not in ourselves, but in the power of a loving, powerful, and redemptive God to carry on the faith to the next generation, and the one after that, and the one after that. I just love this example, Josiah. I hope it was, I hope it was uh, encouraging you, to you today and the legacy that can be left when we're faithful uh, to our Lord God. Uh, may we commit to that. Let me pray. Father God, we thank you for our time today again. Thank you that you give us records in your word of great people of God who can uh, help us, encourage us, guide us. Uh, Lord, and I just think of every, all of us here, Lord, we, say, we play such an important role in the lives of young people, Lord. May we first be faithful to you, then help us make disciples who will be real, resilient for the rest of their lives. We thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, as we take time for application, and a lot of times that means prayer. That, that's exactly what that means, committing these things to our God. You may have heard some things this morning that were bothersome to you. You may have heard about being, or maybe you were convicted about, let's use that word about family altar. Family altar. And then we know we can go back, a lot of us, as, as once your children get raised, you can look back and see areas where that was non-existent or weak. And, and as parents, we feel that. And, you know, it may be time to watch. It may be a time where you're dealing in your heart as in a grown adult that you feel like you need to go to your children and say, listen, mom and dad fell short here. Own it. Own it. Here's why. If it's bothering you, you'll be clear before the Lord. Confess it to him. But they're watching you. Even though they're adults, they're watching you when they raise their children as well. They need a family altar. Or maybe you heard as a grandparent that's here, you heard um, a conviction in your heart of, of who's praying and investing in our, grand, in our grandchildren. You may feel like, I can't, I, I'm too far removed. I can't have that influence. Can I tell you a way you can deeply impact and influence your grandchildren? Praying for them. Start there and work its way out. There's so many areas of application today that we ask that you take this time, give your heart, give whatever may be brewing in your soul today as it relates to the Holy Spirit working, give it to him. We want to do that, make it personal for you, let you have that personal time through this invitation time as well. So I'm going to ask you to stand with Andrew. I'll step down. If you want to come and pray uh, privately here at the altar, you're more than welcome. Once you stand as Andrew leads us.
Pastor Roger gives us some announcements, give a, an update on a couple things. One is that Amy Rink had a procedure, or shouldn't call it a procedure, she had bypass surgery just the other day, and she's on Facebook this morning watching all the way from Florida. So what an encouragement that is for Amy, and many of you have been asking and wanting to know. And uh, also we got a report this morning that uh, Betty McGee, she's actually in the hospital right now. Pastor Roger did talk with Bob and uh, with some low oxygen, it sounds like it's somewhat pointed in the right direction. I'll let, if you have any more to say, I'll let you speak on that behalf. But we wanted you to hear them things of uh, one of a great report and the other to be, uh, be mindful of and prayerful of. Right, I do have a few announcements to, uh, to make. Um, on the uh, legacy project that we're saying we announce each week, I wanted you to be aware that um, so far, this well, this past week, twenty nine hundred and ninety five dollars were uh, was given and sent in and paid toward our uh, legacy project debt that we we're trying to cover. So so far, uh, we've had a total of fifty seven hundred and thirty five dollars given toward the project. So fantastic! Yep. Just so you know, that does not include the monthly payment that we continue to make. So that's just what's given uh, by you in addition to that. We still make our payments on that, uh, on that debt. So I wanted you to be aware of that. Also, a few announcements. The, the uh, March uh, announcement sheet is out there on the uh, Welcome Center. So be sure to pick one of those up. It's got all the month's activities uh, coming up. Palm Sunday, we're having a, a special uh, uh, service at 5 p.m. on Sunday evening for the Lord's Supper on Palm Sunday. Easter Sunday morning, there will be a 7.15 sunrise uh, Facebook gathering for our uh, church family, so be sure to, to check in with that. Pastor Scott's been doing that uh, in the morning, 7.15, and then our regular service hour uh, for, for Cross Point, uh, Life Point Bible study groups and our worship hour normal times. And then uh, finally, very important announcement coming up on March 16th, is our Easter egg hunt. This will be the second annual Easter egg hunt being held over at the uh, Township Park, Union Township Park over there. Uh, there's a board out over here by the Welcome Center on this side of the uh, lobby going out. Uh, there's 
tabs for you to take that will have some items that we need, like the little plastic Easter eggs and other things that you can do. Uh, more importantly, we need some volunteers. So there's a sign-up sheet there. It's two hours from 10 to noon. So if you're able to help for a couple of hours, please do that. Uh, your help would be greatly appreciated. Uh, it's a really a good outreach to the community. We had hundreds of kids last year uh, in that first annual one. So if we can get that word out. There are some uh, little flyers that you can take and, and hand out to your neighbors or uh, people that you might know that's got all the times and, and details on it. So, And then one last thing, Secret Sister uh, uh, things are over here in the lobby. You can drop them off there or pick them up. Be sure to check that uh, periodically for uh, any gifts uh, from your Secret Sis. All right, God bless you. With that, you are dismissed.